and what is going on guys it is time for another episode of the chasing waypoints podcast and well we're back baja 1000 is officially over you guys are hearing the episode with brian clary out of that class 11 in the baja vita guys heard that you got david black we were talking about a little bit of rally stuff but we are back because we have got a huge achievement we've got a really awesome guest on the line with us today gonna be none other than edgar cota your 2023 baja 1000 iron man champion so we want to know what does it take 1310 miles of everything that baja had to take with a little bit of that chocolate cake right at the end for dessert and the last few hundred miles so we're going to talk to edgar a little bit about that and also some of his future stuff actually had him uh met him back a few weeks ago in the rally scene or a few weeks ago a few months ago at the sonora rally and then of course i've been watching the videos sedlak off-road school checking out their stuff as one of the instructors as well so we're going to talk a little bit about that because a lot of this i think ties in so stay tuned for the episode let's see if we can get him on the line here how's everybody doing are we all like ready to go is it, is it time to go racing again? Is it time to go rallying again? Dakar rally, man, coming up. Less than four weeks, right? Something like that. It is coming in hot. Can't wait though. Uh, let's see here. Uh, if, see, that's what happens. You do an update and now your phone wants you to do all of these things. Uh, let's get them dialed in here. So. Anyway, so where are we riding? What's going on? End of the year plans. What is everybody doing? As I mentioned in the episode at the end, don't forget to tag us. Have you signed up for the newsletter? We've got all sorts of stuff coming on. January is going to be a hell of a month. We've got a lot going on. And not only that, it's going to be rally season in North America. So we'll be keeping you guys posted with the rally schools and some of the different trainings and stuff that's going on. So hope you guys are ready for all of that. We're going to have the Dakar hangover. So let's start turning down the party a little bit. Cannot wait. Cannot wait. So much going on. So much coming up. Battleborn Rally, waiting on Sonora Rally to announce dates. It's going to be good. All right. So let's hit the... Let's hit the phone call thing. Buenas tardes. Buenas tardes, Edgar. How are you? Muy bien, tú. <laughs> bien, bien, aquí nomás. Bueno. Dándole las vueltas. So, Eso. So, all right. First and foremost, how are you? Are you fully recovered? We're uh, still tired. I wouldn't say fully recovered. <laughs> uh, yeah, definitely sore, right? Sore, tight. But the more you sit around and try to rest, the tighter you get. So, um, I've been taking advantage to unload the whole van and put everything how it's supposed to because I got to go back to work on Tuesday. Uh oh, <laughs> right, right, right back to it. Yes, nice. we must. 
Very nice, very nice. So we'll kind of start there because I think. Uh, tell me about work. What do you What do you do for work? So for work, I work for a, a off road school. I we teach people how to write from full beginner writers to people that have written a couple of years in the past and just want to improve their skills. And then we go from motocross to the off road to desert to adventure bike world as well. So a little bit of everything, nice. everything off the road, everything off the highway. Okay, got it. So mm-hmm. practicing a lot of those off skills from the little bikes all the way up to the big bikes. Correct. Very nice. So, so no wonder you make it look easy while you're out there. <laughs> I tried. I was, I was focused. <laughs> I promise. It's all about form. <laughs> that's, you know, that was something that, uh, I've long, I've long since thought about that. I've always been interested. Like I've, you know, talking to like people, you know, you Colton Udall, uh, eventually we're going to get to Brandon, Wright. I want to talk to him, but all of you guys that run in the Ironman class, um, or do really, really long stints. You, I don't think you can cheat the system. Like poor form will not get you there. You know, you know, you may survive it. You know, I know that was something, uh, in talking to Josiar, he said the same thing. He's like, you know, you, you might get advice and you, you might learn how to ride the bike good the wrong way, but eventually you pay for it. Yes. So very interesting. So tell me about these, uh, this, this little ride you just did. <laughs> above 1000 like, yeah i was like what was it, it was like 1300 miles no it was, it was kind of short yeah yeah 200 <laughs> miles from san felipe <laughs> i know i know you guys got the perfect like the last chocolate cake hero dirt you know <laughs> at the end <laughs> true 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 it was it was really wet so that made it fun that made it different so nice. at least it kept you on your toes very nice so, I mean, tell you, you know, what was, uh, the, the toughest parts? I mean, there's, I, I can imagine there's 1300 stories. Yes. I mean, so many berms and jumps and, and rocks out there, yeah. but, um, I would say, yeah, overall it was a great, it was a great track from fast straightaways to nice and technical. So it slowed you down. It kept your heart rate up and then gives you some time to relax in the long straightaways. Yeah. I think um, Catavina was a really interesting part, definitely at night. Um, it definitely kept you on your toes all night. <laughs> yeah. Now that, that is definitely a, a, an interesting one, right? Starting, starting in the day, or I mean, excuse me, starting at night, the day is short, I can imagine. And then right back at night. Correct. Yeah. So that, um, yeah, like you said, from from the night to the day to the night again, you have to, or at least for me, it was very important to have the the right attire. Um, that way you're not oversweating it throughout the day and you're not freezing cold at night. So at least that would, won't play a uh, mind game on you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I can think, you know, it, it seems like everything has got to be that. So that's actually, that's a, that's a really interesting thing, you know, we, we look at this from the outside, right? And we look at, you know, like the pro moto, uh, class, right? Six riders, seven riders, you know, uh, they're going to do a section. They're good to go, you know, 50 miles, a hundred miles. I forgot my jacket, you know, it's no big deal. Or maybe I should have warned, you know, they're going to get off the bike in a few minutes, you know, or, or an hour. What's kind of like your, like getting ready for the thousand when they said, okay, you guys are starting at one in the morning what goes through your head? Like, how do you prepare for that or start preparing for that? Uh, you just have to make sure you have a good couple of resting days before it, you know, cause if your body's so used to going to sleep late into the night or I don't know, let's say eight at night and 
sleep through the night like a normal human. Then when they let you know that you're going to start at 1 a.m., you have to be staging by 12, by midnight. Then, um, yeah, it can play a big factor in your mind. But like I said, if you make sure at least your body's nice and rested, even if you can't get a full night of sleep, at least, uh, you know, you should be good to go. And I think the adrenaline keeps you going, you know, like for example, for myself, it was, it was very hard to sleep. I think I slept maybe two hours and a half. Mm-hmm. Um, if you put it all together before the race itself, which I lay down at two thirty in the afternoon because I knew I had to be up by, uh, by 11, but yeah, it was, it was hard. Definitely. So then, um, but then same thing. I think if you're conf- confident that you're prepared for the race, I mean, you can sleep after the race. <laughs> <laughs> right. <laughs> once, yeah. once we get this job done, we'll go, <laughs> then we, then we can sleep. Yeah. Then you earn it. Yeah. Well, yeah, yeah, you definitely earned it. Thank you. Yeah. So, you know, you're going through all of this, uh, you know, one o'clock in the morning start, you get through there. I mean, you know, the, obviously the crowds are up, everybody's up. I'm sure that that, that kind of contributes to the adrenaline and the pump of, of those first miles. Yes, definitely. I mean, for me, it's, uh, it's really cool to see how everybody so just loves the sport, especially the people from, from Bahasur. Mm-hmm. If anybody is not hearing us from Bahasur, you know, they're great people out there. People really love the sport, so they don't, doesn't matter how cold or what time or what part of the track they are, they're always cheering you on. So definitely that gives you a little extra boost to, to always keep it going. And I mean, be happy in that we're racing to give that people a show, you know, at least for me, because I grew up on the other side of the sidelines, you know, always cheering on my dad or just watching the sports. It was always really cool. I used to remember I used to cheer everybody that passes on. Cause I mean, it's, it's cool for me that they're riding it. So I might as well cheer them on. So now when people cheer me on it, just, I remind myself when I used to cheer people on and I was like, Oh, that's, that's badass. Let me, I can't be tired. You know, I gotta, I gotta push it and not give them a show, but, give them what they came here for you know somebody that writes the track really cool and then just yeah i mean that's what we trained for yeah it's supposed to be a race at the end of the day not a trail race (laughs) (laughs) well you're in the class where i feel like you know you you really have to focus on okay we're gonna make this a trail ride because you know you got to survive the entirety of it so i can see where that is you know, that, that balance, right. You know, okay, push here, don't push, you know, I, I, I wouldn't even know how to manage that, you know, to figure it out. Like, okay, the, this is going to be my section to push through, or I'm just going to pick this pace, you know, does any of that kind of planning, like, do you look at the map and go, okay, here's my spot. I think for a shorter race, definitely it's a good way of planning it, mm-hmm. but if for a race it's long, it's more like you take it as it comes, you know, make sure in the morning, you you start off nice and relaxed because i mean it's just the start of the race you can't win it in the beginning so just kind of survive through the night find your flow and then make sure the bike's running right after that the sun comes out so it's much easier to go faster and then at the same time you start feeling better so you start pushing on pushing it a little bit and then once you start feeling a little bit tired then you slow down your pace just to conserve energy and then you recharge your body so then you push again and and then when the second night falls um, it's all about same as when you started, you know, survive the night, especially because it's the second night, you're usually 20 hours in. So then by that time, surviving the night, I think it will make the last push throughout the day that much funner and safer just because you weren't going crazy the night before and not really knowing where you're going or 
what's right in front of you. So you're always reacting as it comes other than you kind of cruise through the nights, then you can always make up some time during the day. That's what I think. Yeah. yeah where, where, you know, you can see better where everything is, is, is more apparent versus into yes. the, into the night. So, yeah. Well, I mean, at least where, where it could be a little bit safer, you know, cause mm-hmm. it's always scary out there. So if you, if you push where it's really difficult and I think you push at night, you start pushing your, um, your luck a little bit other than if you push throughout the day, you can see what's, you can see a lot more what's around you. And I mean, at least for me, it's easier to gauge it, <laughs> especially yeah. when we don't pre-run, you know? Yeah. So that was, uh, so there's actually, there's kind of two questions to that. So from the start moving on, like I, I come more from a, a car racing experience and it was like, you leave the starting line, you got to give the car a few, you know, a few miles to warm up, loosen up and, and everything get, you know, warmed up and ready to go. And then you start finding your pace. What is that like on the bike? And especially for you, you know, that you're going to ride so many miles, like, is it, is it kind of the same thing? You know, okay, I got to chill for the first 10 or, or how do you know? It's like, okay, we're, time to go. I think it just depends on the class you're racing, right? Because if it was for myself and I was racing the class that there's, um, that you got some teammates on, then you have to be on fire as soon as you get on the bike and until you get off the bike, cause you're trying to get as fast as you can. So but in this case, for me, it was more about hopping on the bike and making sure, like you said, the bike's working good. I feel connected with the bike. And then slowly but surely, if you focus on your form and have fun, the speed will come to you. Other than if you start looking for some speed and you start making mistakes and you just start working the bike more than what it needs to, at the end of the day, you end up getting tired a lot sooner. And then at the same time, it's not fun because all you're doing is chasing around your bike. <laughs> at least that's what I think. Yeah. Yeah, you're expending precious energy on things that you don't need to. Correct. Just because you're trying to look for that speed when, I mean, it should come, especially for that long time. Yeah. So that's an interesting one. So, you know, right before we jumped on the uh, on the mic, we talked uh, or I, I put a post up on the uh, Promoto Baja group and uh, Giovanni, Gio Spinali had a good question. And this is really good is, is, you know, what kind of training do you do like going into a race like this or before? Because obviously the the pace, you know, what you had, what, six and a half hours, almost seven hours on the next bike. So a consistent pace, you know, was that was obviously it because you just kept walking and walking and walking. But what do you do to train for that? Um, I'm working right now. I'm lucky enough to work with a great trainer. Mm-hmm. Um, so what we've been doing is because the cardio we have, it right? I'm all, luckily I'm always on the bike because that's my job mm-hmm. Monday to Sunday. Mm-hmm. So I'm always on the bike. So I'm always working uh, the same mechanics. But then the bike I work on every other muscle that I don't use while I ride. That way everything else is That way I don't overuse the muscles when I'm riding it. And I mean, it sounds funny, but at least everything else will work together instead of just building the muscles that you always use when you have that many more around you that can support you and make you be stronger for longer, you know? Interesting. Okay. So it's not a, you know, it's not the, the isolation method where it's like, okay, you got to work on, you know, your calves and you got to work on your quads because, and lower back, because those are the most used muscles. It's more like, okay, we're going to actually work around that as well as those. Yes. And then, I mean, having good mobility, you know, cause you know, riding dirt bike, especially in Baja, everything being so rough and rutted, you're always reflecting from your bike. Mm-hmm. So, um, so you have to be able to move and 
be agile in the sense that have that strength in, in every other muscle. Because <laughs> at the end of the day, there's some parts that you're just holding on. So no. Yeah, <laughs> where, where it's just the bike is like, okay, well, we're we're going to go for a ride. The bike wants to go yeah. see this bush, you know. <laughs> yeah, but that's part of it. You know, yeah. I think those are the oh shit moments that make you feel alive. So, it's yeah, <laughs> very, very, very much so. So that's, you know, and that that's an interesting thing, too, is like. I'm trying to think Andy Kirker had posted uh, in the group earlier about, you know, you riding so many miles and then you take a break and how that's going to lower your mile per hour average uh, and then puts you on that bubble of being able to make the finish. I mean, you made the finish, you know, no, no problem, but was, was there breaks along the way other than the pits? You know, is it stop and take a breather for a second, take a nap? I mean, is there any of that kind of stuff going on? For myself, this race, um, no, there was not. Every time I took a break, it was because I was in a pit. Mm -hmm. I was either refueling or um doing the rest of the bike work from tires to um, air filters and just checking over the bike, taking off the lights. So it depends is for me, it was the longer my pit crew took, it was my, my brake got longer, the faster they got it done. Then the faster I was back on the bike. <laughs> okay. So, so it was just, you know, it was more just time management. It's like, okay, it's okay. Correct. If it's a long pit, I'll take, you know, that's just a little bit more of a breather for me. Yes. And then at, I mean, like I said, again, being that such of a long race, might as well do it right, then push it out there. And then, I mean, once you're out there, if you start struggling, then, then you're screwed for a couple hours, <laughs> you know? Yeah. So might, might as well, everything's nice dialed in in the pits. But of course there was, there was a lunch break. So there was a pit that I, that they did a lot more bike work, but then at the same time I sat down, I ate a lot of, of a bigger portion and um, worked on myself. And then throughout the night, the plan was not to sleep, but after Catavina, um, I felt a little bit tired in the sense that uh, was a rough section and I wasn't expecting it being that rough. So I didn't get to eat before or fill up my water, uh, my water pack. So, uh, yeah, I finished that. So then my kind of started working my body more than I needed to. And being that far into the race, then I decided to take a little bit of a longer break after Carabinha just to be ready to uh, tackle the rest of the night and into the morning arriving at San Felipe. Yeah. That's to think it's like, okay, well, I'm going to take off at one, then we're going to make it the night. That means I'm going to be in San Felipe by around this time. <laughs> yeah, there's a lot of things going on. Yeah. And so as far as pre-running goes, I think you kind of alluded to it. So how much pre-running did you actually do for this? So pre-running, um, I took it a little bit of as a challenging, as a challenge, you know, because you, you don't pre-run for for any of the, the cars or any of the rally racing. So we got to the Tula Pass 10 days before the race and uh, we wanted to at least get familiar with how the terrain looked. Mm -hmm. People were talking about it, you know, they're like, oh dude, Los Filos, as soon as you leave La Paz, it's like really technical, make sure you ride it. And and then there's this rock section and this section. So I was like in the silks, I'm like, all right, well, I need to, I need to get a little, a little bit of a taste so I pre-run from La Paz to Loreto, uh, kind of checked out at least what <clears throat> direction the track's going because, you know, by the by when the race comes, the whole track has changed because of the trucks. Mm -hmm. So at least you had an idea of where you were going. So that was my longest pre-running. After that, I pre-ran from mile 10 to to 25 twice at night one with the pre-runner bike 
just to see how the fog was going to act and how cold it was going to get. And then the second time I did it on the race bike, a um, little bit faster speed, see how the bike was look feeling. And then yeah, after that, it was just relaxing until the race just because it was uh, 1300 miles. Yeah. So it's a very, like, I think it's a, uh... It's very, it sounds like it's a very different mentality. Like, I think that's pretty cool, right? It's just like you, like you just said, it's like go down kind of almost like it's not pre-running the actual race course, but it's more pre-running the conditions that could be, yeah. you know, the fog, the, is the lights right? Am I, you know, yellow lenses, jackets, gloves, and then, and then looking at it from, okay, well, versus uh, a pro moto guy where it's like they got to go because they got to know every inch of it because when they come through there and it's their section they've got to be flying through there as fast as they can yes so which that's crazy yeah but it will also be cool you know yeah yeah i mean it's uh, i think that they're uh, i mean what they can do on a what they can do on a bike is absolutely crazy you know that speed and i and and i know you know you have that speed but i think there's the two very different mentalities in in that you know i think you you're going to be yeah speed time management and just keep the bike moving and going versus they're like okay i got to get to this guy i got to get to my next rider as quickly as possible because i've got a 15 second lead correct you know do you i mean is that something like when you catch another moto that they're maybe struggling or one of the faster guys or one of the guys in your class how does that work? I mean, I, I remember it was like, you saw a dust, you didn't know what it was, but you just knew like, okay, well, I got to catch that dust. Do yes. You- yeah. So same for me, you know, yeah. cause once you see the dust, you're like, well, if I stay behind, I'm just going to be eating dust all day. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to overwork my air filter. So might as well catch them. And then, and then, yeah, you catch them. Luckily for me, I grew up racing motocross. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so when I do come up to a rider, I mean, it's racing, right? Nobody wants to let you go by because they know if you're in front of them, they have to deal with the dust. So they start racing you. So then that's when I kind of, I'm a little bit more aggressive and kind of take that motocross instinct and uh, just be aggressive, get in front of them and push it hard for the next couple minutes to try to open up a little bit of a gap and then, uh, yeah, slow it down enough that I can stay consistent on that speed. Still look for speed at all times, right? Always push forward, but not at the edge no more <laughs> yeah that's I, I guess yeah you'll never you never be able to get a get away from it. and that's a valid point you know again it's like for a different reason that that i would think right you're thinking like well this is the competitive side of it but you know you're you're talking like bike management and keeping sure that it's that it's good so yeah the i mean how like this this is an interesting thing to me, I, and I and I know I've been saying this I think since Sonora Rally that I got I want to come out and take a class with you guys, uh, you must. especially because you guys are right here in San Diego. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah. no no excuses there, right? Uh, yeah. What is it? I mean, is there something that you think like okay? from the motocross side of it motocross is always more of a sprint type thing, right? It's just turning the laps, being aggressive, pushing hard running an Ironman is, I, you know, is more the long distance and energy conservation. What's the, like the, the training for something like that? Like, okay, if I wanted to go and do that and I said, my aspiration is to go race and go do training, would you recommend, uh, like an Ironman type thing or like rally where it's long days on the bike for multiple days? What is it like? Is there, is it 
mainly is it technique focus on that or you know is it strength is it the you know what where would you start me that makes any i would start you in your basics you know because once you have bike feel Mm -hmm. then you can find speed that much easier you can be a lot more control and you just feel way better right so obviously everybody has to start with the basics so we'll We'll work the fundamentals, give you that bike feel that everybody's looking for. And then once you have that bike feel, then then it's time to get stronger. Then it's time to look for places that you can push and be a lot of a faster rider. But everything starts in fundamentals. Yeah. So I think uh, for myself, at least, doesn't matter if I'm racing uh, a motocross race or a full Baja 1000 or even a desert race. Uh, I always focus on my form. And then as long as you're strong everywhere else, which you should, right? Because you know you're racing, so you got to prepare yourself. So mm-hmm. um, like I said, fundamentals just make just gives you that much more bike feel and gives you confidence on the bike that allows you to do things that you kind of are not thinking of just because you're in the moment and you feel good, then you always go a little bit faster, a little bit faster, a little bit faster. Yeah. And, then, and, and if you don't have the... Uh the speed comes, but if you don't have the training and the fundamentals, then I think you're holding on to the bike. Yeah. Then if yeah, exactly if the speed comes, but you are just, um, getting a ride either that you're, I mean, there'll be a point that you get tired or it'll be a point that the bike just bucks you off, you know? So yeah. the chances, um, of that happening are that much higher. And for me, that doesn't make it fun. It's just like resting a bull the whole time, you know, might as well ride it. Yeah. <laughs> Enjoy actually riding it and not <laughs> Yeah. Yes, exactly. The the least amount of work possible is usually the best approach. <laughs> yes, the least amount of work on the bike will allow you to enjoy the sceneries, you know, mm. and for the Bach 1000, there was a ton of sceneries. Yeah. Sunrises, sundowns, big cactuses, I mean the beach, it was everything sick. What was the uh so that's that's a that's a great one. I re- I remember uh Mission San Javier with the big, you know, big wooden doors yeah. on the church and, and in that yeah. area. Uh, tell me about it for you. Was there a spot that you were just like, I get to race this? You know, this is awesome. I think for me, it was a little bit of everything, you know, just because every single spot, I was a different time of the day. Mm-hmm. So for me, when I hit Mission San Javier, it was really pretty because the sun was coming out, but it was still fairly dark inside the mountains. Mm. Uh, but the way into San Javier was really, really pretty. And then before that, El Piojillo, that's where the sun started coming out on me and it was like a nice orange sunrise so that was really really pretty um in the beginning it was all super dark so really can't see where i'm going and then um loreto was just it was a nice day so that made it fun for the for the silks that made it uh, <laughs> that made it nice and fun mm-hmm. after that then you start start to get closer to the night when you're arriving at bay, bay of la mm-hmm. so the sunset there was it was okay just because the sun falls down um, on the west side and that's the east side. Mm-hmm. So the sun, and because you're in all the mountains, then the sunset goes really, really quick and you can't really see it because the sun's on the other side of the mountains. So that was an all right. It was just more like long straightaways in Bay of LA. So stay focused, try not to hit one of those hidden rocks. Yeah. And then after that, I mean, Carabinha was pitch black. So that was really cool. The oh. big lights. Yeah. Uh, whoa light up the side of the hill so that made it look cool and then i don't know i've never pre-run it during the day so in the night when i was racing there was it seemed like there was bikes all over the place but i think the trail just went up and down the mountain and around the mountain so you see lights on your right side in front of you on the left side so it was pretty cool 
Nice. And then, uh, and then the sun started coming up in San Felipe. So that was a, that was a pretty sunrise again because, uh, yeah, the sun comes up through there. So that was really cool. It was dark and started to get clearer and clearer. And then the day was really pretty. And then towards the end, um, arriving at Valle La Trinidad in Ojos Negros, it was, it was muddy. <laughs> so it was, it was pretty cool. It was different. Um, people were hanging out in the mud pit, so that was fun. <laughs> and then the bike was dirty anyway, so I remember when I was a kid, I used to look for every puddle out there, and now my bike was dirty. I had a good excuse, so I went through every puddle right through the middle. Yeah, you had to wash it. <laughs> <laughs> I tried to, but the I mean, now wash. that I unloaded off the van and I realized that I just made my heart that much, my job that much harder. <laughs> so, you know, that I, re I remember that as a kid, especially when you would go over to the coast side in Erendida and that area with all the, the dirt that had a little bit of that red clay in it. And yeah. it, it was like, you'd go on the beach and then you come riding up and then that clay gets on there and, and then it never comes off. I mean, it's like you powder coated the bike. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, if you go right at Barona Oak, you know, it's that red clay. Yeah. So it's all the same. Uh, so I'm sure, but there's uh, other than you know a lot of pressure washing and scrubbing and how uh, how do you prep? I mean, like, is the bike apart or is it still still together and and rideable? Uh, no, right now it's still together and rideable. The bike yeah. worked uh, perfectly well, rideable in some senses. Right, <laughs> I need to replace my rear shock, um, and then and then yeah, that's that's about it. But but yeah, it's, it's rideable right now. It's still in one piece, still super muddy. I got to go take it to a couple guys that supported me. They want to see the bike, how it finished. Nice. So I'll do that stuff. And then after that, um, cause GP gives me bikes, you know? So this mm -hmm. bike is part of the contract. They gave me a race bike for the year. So now I have to take it all apart. Um, take it back to bone stock and give it back to them so we can, yeah, we can start a contract for next year and hopefully I can get more bikes from them. Yeah. And then same thing, use them at the end of the year, um, give them back and then keep getting new ones. Nice. So that's a, so that's an interesting thing. So you're on gas, gas. Correct. That was, so bike, let, let's talk about the bike. Like, all right, how do you, how did you prep this bike? Uh, what were the things, you know, knowing that you were going to have to compete 1300 miles? Knowing that I had to compete 1300 miles on this bike. So the, so then I know that fact, like stock works really, really, really good, especially for dur durability. Mm -hmm. So I make sure, um, yeah, I had a fresh engine, everything, OEM parts. And then other than that, I just, I knew, I knew that I had to have constant clean air filters and I mean, constant good tires will just give you a better feel of the dirt. So as long as I kept that up to date, uh, we did an oil change in between the, the race and then everything else went, yeah, went smooth. The plan is always to keep it on two wheels. So that definitely makes it a lot easier. Uh, but the bike itself was bone stock, good set of suspension, um, strong engine and yeah. Nice. Well, good handguards too. <laughs> <laughs> what do you run for handguards? Uh, for handguards, I run, they're like add-ons to your perch. Mm -hmm. So they connect to the top of the perch and then, it's um it's a half handguard you can say it's not a full wraparound oh, okay. so it's a full moto handguard um just a little bit stiffer mm -hmm. of a of a of a base in case i do hit some big bushes and or some cactuses then at least it can protect me a little bit more than the ones that fold back 
Yes. Because <laughs> the cactuses down there are something special. So yes, yes, they are. So there's that's always been the school of thought. And and it sounds like you're you're not the wraparound. You're not from the wraparound camp. I've heard a lot of people is like, well, no, wraparound is the only way to go. You know, they're stronger. And then other people are like, no, you don't want to do that because if you fall, you know, it could be your wrist. You get caught in there. What do you think? Yeah, I mean, everybody has a different opinion, right? For myself, yeah, I don't like the wraparounds. I, I think I really think that, uh, yeah, you could hurt your wrist. And at the same time, I don't like the way they look. <laughs> so I like, uh, yeah, I'm a full moto kid. So I like when they look nice and aggressive and sharp. So yeah. I keep uh, the half ones and I found this ones that are really, really good. So, um, yeah, I enjoy them. So you're keeping that set up. And then something I, I've, uh, I'm a bit of a bike setup nerd. I, I love working on bikes. I, it almost feels like more than I do riding them. <laughs> Which okay. It should be the other way around. Right. But, um, I think you're one of the few, at least that I've seen that, and it's more prominent or maybe because the, you know, the, how often you, you know, your social media game and, and you guys are always, or you're always riding. Uh, I think you're one of the only guys that uses Enzo out in the, in, in Baja. Is that true or? Um, yeah, I, I think so. I yeah. think so. Um, I use Enzo when I used to race motocross and I love their, the way they're set up or their suspension feels and works and how good the guys are in the sense of helping you out whenever you have a question and how quick they are and just returning your stuff and just everything that you need. They're always there and ready to go. Mm -hmm. So I talk, yeah, I talked to them and, and they said, yeah, we have an off-road setup. Um, at least that's a good base to start. So I've been using them since I started racing, uh, uh, 2021 in score. I raced the Ironman season 2021, um, and score and then i didn't race it 2022 i focused a little bit more on the rally and then this whole year again 2023 i've used yeah enzo every other race and i mean i love it there it's nice and plush but at the same time it's stiff in the sense when you need to bottom out or you hit a couple good rocks or a couple good holes so it holds up really really good and uh yeah i love it i love i love the way that it looks it looks aggressive uh, they make they always give me a cool um yeah a a cool setup in a sense of like they know everything. they know what you like yes and then at the same time if something's wrong then like i said i call cody and them and and they always help me out so nice. it's always easy easy yeah. for me to feel good yeah well i mean and i think you know that's probably next to the seat and the handlebars that's probably actually i mean you could probably get away with bad handlebars and a bad seat but the suspension i think is the one that's going to really really change the outlook of your day <laughs> yeah, correct. Well, but what do you mean by a wrong hand, bad handlebar and bad seats? Uh, well, just simple. You know the you know the seat is like riding on a two by four. You know. The oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> like the, the handlebar <laughs> bend is like <laughs> it's just not yeah. quite right. You know, puts your well. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe that would be because, like you were saying earlier about basics. You know, having the levers. I'm guessing is levers in just the right place, the right handlebar bend, like all of these. You know, when, when you got this bike from, from GP, what was the, how did you begin the setup process on the bike? Um, or did you go I like run, this? I run pretty much everything stock. I run oh. from stock bars to stock seats, mm -hmm. um, stock wheels. The only thing I change to be a little bit more aggressive and uh, kind of more for my, the way of riding is I switch my foot pegs to some sharper ones. Mm -hmm. um, I put some rear, some disc brakes just in case of all the rocks out there. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, yeah, I put a exhaust on it and suspension 
everything else is, believe it or not, it's stock from from levers to, I mean, shoot. I mean, yeah, obviously a better chain and sprockets, but everything else is pretty much bone stock. Hey, guys, what's going on? This is Victor with the Chasing Waypoints podcast. Hey, super quick. We have got some news for you guys. So Mira Activewear, I'm not sure if you guys are familiar with the brand. You should be. You've seen their handiwork if you've seen pictures of Happy Dave and a few of our other riders here in the States. But also in the Dakar rally, a lot of the top pros wearing their windbreakers, custom made uh, rally suits and things like that. They have been phenomenal. They are a very, very high quality product. Awesome printing, design team, everything. But the reason we're interrupting this episode is they have got a fundraiser and promotional raffle going on right now between now and February. You want to get on over there. So you can purchase a limited edition Mira bandana set. So three special designs. That will get you entered into the contest for a grand prize of a full rally suit. So check out all the rules and limitations, all that fun, you know, all that jargon. Get on over to the website. Link is in the description. And let's get back to the episode. Nice. Yeah, that's that's actually good because, well, no, I don't know. I don't agree with you. <laughs> <That's> only, <laughs> what what, oh, did, what oh, did you put on your bike? Everything. <laughs> <laughs> it'll make it go faster i i just i <laughs> maybe, i'm gonna save you some money when you come over to the courses i promise you won't have to get all that stuff <laughs> i you know it's it's funny because it's that's my see my line of thinking is like okay you know the um everything all right is this the best that it could be like okay the wheels the bike had stock wheels when i got it they were scratched up and you know, cosmetically i mean the bike was ridden at, you know 300 hours and it was taken care of mm-hmm. but then i look at it and go well i know stronger wheels are going to help so maybe i'm not fast enough but i know in my mind that's a stronger wheel on that bike you know uh the suspension you can cancel that out because everybody should do suspension uh for the most <laughs> part un- unless you're the happen to be the poster child of the Austrian rider that, <laughs> that they made the bike for, but that's, that's, that's usually me. You know, I do spend a little bit more time on like handlebars and things like that, trying to figure out my seating position and this comfortable seat and stuff. But, um, in my mind, that's how I approach a bike. It's like, is this component the strongest and the best that it could be? And, and so I, you know, I, at least that's how I look at it, but you're right. And this, this conversation's come up actually a couple of times, even with, uh, recently with, uh, with Gio Spinali, who said the same things that, uh, like on the Yamahas, it's like, you don't really need a lot. It just, the bikes just work nowadays. They're not like before. Yeah. Yes, they do. That's why they're so pricey. You know? Yeah, that's true. <laughs> Cause they, yeah, the days of the sub $10,000, uh, the sub $10,000 bike is, uh, is long gone, I think. You know, unless it's a yeah, 250. You never know. <laughs> I know. You right? never know. You yeah. start getting into it. Mean, nowadays, try to try to buy a CR 500. They're over 12 grand. You know? I, I know. That's crazy. But yeah, it's because everybody's getting into the old school. You know, the they, they're they looking back at these bikes and going like, oh, yeah, we could build, you know, or they'll put it on mm-hmm. a uh, on a newer type frame or the I don't know. They're, sure. they're doing a bunch of stuff. Sure, the, sure. So. As far as Baja goes, so this was something that like when I kind of came back into it and started doing some of the episodes on Baja, uh, the talk about 250s came up and racing 250s in Baja and how right now it's more the 450 show. What what -hmm. do you think about, you know, 250s out in uh, out in Baja and and a limited class? I think if 
I think it's always good, you know, gives more people to join. Um, yeah, join the show, you know, that way the more places for people to choose to race um, that is out there for them, I think more people will join. If you keep it very limited to only certain bikes and certain people, mm-hmm. I mean, it would only, it would not, definitely won't help the, the, the sport grow itself. So I think it's good. I think yeah. the more classes, the better. Yeah. And I mean, if it works for them, Mm-hmm. Why not, right? Who are we to tell them what to write and what not to write? At the end of the day, they're the ones that are writing it. So if you want to ride, I don't know, a TTR 125 through Baja, do it. You know? <laughs> it's going to be a long day, but do it. <laughs> yeah, do it. So so you would think like maybe somebody looking at, you know, getting into into riding and that's going to go race the Baja races. Because, I mean, now I think that the you really realistically looking at it, the price between a 250 and a 450 that you're going to race, you know, race bike style. They're pretty close. I mean, there's yeah, a really couple thousand, but if you're going to end up, you know, the desert tank, it's usually the same for both bikes, no matter if it's a 250 or the 450. A lot of the stuff is the same. I mean, would you recommend to somebody it's like, okay, well, I've been riding bikes for a long time. It's time to get a new bike. Or I, I shouldn't say, riding bikes for a long time, but not competitively. Would you think that it's better for them to go like a, a, a 250 and start racing that way or focus on skills and get a 450 and race that way? I think it all just depends what you, you what you ride now. You know, okay. I think if somebody that's never ridden <clears throat> wants to get on it and start racing, then yeah, definitely a 250 will be of a smoother of a learning curve for them other than <clears throat> buying a big old 450 big old 500 and then at that point you're wrestling your bike and fighting it to to get it through baja you know um mm-hmm. so i think definitely for the people that are joining the sport start off with uh, with a smaller engine bike just because everything will be much easier in the sense from the weight distribution and how aggressive the bike is it's that much easier to save it and catch it uh, before getting really injured other than never been on a bike and going out there and buying yourself a ktm 500 and or ktm yeah 500 and then uh, and then yeah all you're doing is fighting the bike yeah well that's where they need to come but, uh, see you before they go fight the bike <laughs> we'll teach you i promise yeah. it's it's, uh, it's good you know it, it gives you that much better um yeah better day of riding your bike other than fighting it and not enjoying it so what is the uh that and and that's a good one i'm signing myself up for this one because i know i'm gonna be from guys that have been kind of right like i consider myself a beginner intermediate you know like i kind of know the theory i kind of know how to ride the bike i've survived this long is there like a usual like thing you guys notice with riders that have been you know i know how to ride a dirt bike sort of yeah Uh, yeah, everything falls back to basics you know from riding on the balls of your feet um to start dropping your heels a lot more to keeping the bike nice and tight and the knees behind the gas sink when you're standing to we also see a lot of people ride with their elbows down or looking straight at the ground so it's a lot of similar things that people do wrong but again if they've never really got taught or look into it and how do you expect them to know all those stuff i think um i think definitely everybody should work on fundamentals mm-hmm. and then once you got fundamentals down then it's a lot easier to learn everything else other than trying to learn 
the harder stuff without learning. It's like learning how to run before walking. You know, you yeah. got to walk first. Yeah. But it's, it's difficult, especially if you've been riding forever. Mm-hmm. And yes, you know how to get out of the clutch and you can kind of get around this stuff. But if you don't slow it down and work on what's really hurting you, then it'll be that much harder for you to keep improving and at least being a safer rider and consistent, you know, cause that's, I think the biggest part of it, the, the more you work on your form and have the fundamentals down, then you become that much more reliable on your bike and are able to ride it for that much longer of a time without, um, you know, going through a lot of crazy old shit moments. Yeah. <laughs> Those come quick, man. <laughs> oh yeah. Oh yes, they do. They don't warn you. No, no. And that's, it's- why, that's why the sport's so good. You know, yeah, I know. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, uh, you know, and, and recently, you know, we've heard a lot more, you know, I've heard it. Um, I heard an interview with, uh, Skylar Howes about it, you know, about how Caselli told him that every time, you know, you throw a leg over the bike, it's a business decision. And, you know, there's, there's been a lot of the talk of, uh, about the safety stuff about it. And I, I believe, you know, in, in what you're saying and where you're coming from, if you're just that much more effective at riding the bike and understanding how it works how you work together with it, you know, it just feels like it's easier to go more miles. Yes. gives you the extra confidence too, you know, and at the end of the day, that's what, that's all you need. You need some confidence to know that you can do it. And then uh, it's that much easier to ride other than if before you get on the bike, you already start doubting yourself, then you're starting behind. Yeah. So that's in, and there's actually, it kind of brings up two. one. I mean, being an Ironman and, and going through this, racing in this class, um, you know, the safety side of it, the, the things that you, you know, do you prepare to plan or do you prepare to spend the night out in the, out in the desert? Like what, since you're going to have to carry your pack the entire race and no break, you know, how much do you pack in it? How much are you prepared for that kind of stuff? Uh, yeah. Like you said, when you race by yourself and you know, you have certain sections that you won't see it a crew guy for, I don't know, the next three hours and it's in the middle of the night, then yeah, you must prepare yourself uh, for taking a nap out there. <laughs> uh, I think always having a good chase crew, you know that they will be looking for you as soon as you, they don't see your, uh, your tracker move or they know that you need some help, then they'll get to work. But other than that, then you just have to trust the process. You know, if it happens that you have to take, spend a night in the desert, just yeah, be, make sure you're prepared. Like for example, I always carry, um, an extra, a extra warm um, pair of shirt just in case it's cold outside and then um, a lighter. Because even if it's cold, my dad always told me, you know, if, if you get stuck and it's cold, grab a bush, grab a tree, grab whatever you need, start a fire, but don't freeze to death. Yeah. And then at the same time, having a fire uh, will be that much easier for people to locate you. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. So yeah, survivor skills, hundred <laughs> percent. Yeah, because I mean that's, that's the goal is not to. I know. Well, and and you know, and that was one. You know, we were, I was talking to uh, Andy Kirker about it, and we were talking about you know the dual sport pack and being you know ten to twelve pounds versus you know when you go racing, you want it as light as possible. So there's there's that balance. I was thinking like, okay, well, I wonder if he switches packs. Like, okay, this is going to be a long stint, and there's not you know. I'm, this is at night in a remote area, you know, I'm going to grab this vest with that's already equipped with these things. But it sounds like it's just from the beginning, it's your race vest. It's what you're wearing. And that's, it is what it is. Correct. And then, yeah, once you start getting towards the night, you know, it's going to get colder Then Yeah. You do switch 
um, your jackets to thicker jackets, you know. But other than that, from the tool setup to um, your communication setup, it all stays um, like if you're getting ready for the war since since you start, you know, because you never know what can happen out there. It's crazy out there. Yeah. And how like uh, that and that's a good one is the, the communication, because that's something that I mean, for this race changed, you know, not having weatherman uh, on the radio, you know, not having that channel. Uh, now it was all phone call, sat phone, that kind of thing. What did you change in your program? Did you change anything? No, my program stayed the same. I run with a Garmin um, inReach and then a Spot. So um, the inReach stays on the whole time while I'm racing. So if and when the tracker fails, because the score tracker always fails, mm-hmm. um, so at least my chase crew will have um, somewhere to kind of look other than the score app mm-hmm. to check where I'm going or how I'm doing. Nice. And then other than that, we, yeah, we stick to one plan the whole race. You know, um, we make a plan the night before mm-hmm. everybody knows what they're supposed to do. And then, yeah, we just stick to the plan. If something changes then we, we fix that throughout the race. But other than that, um, yeah, stick to one plan. Yeah. Now I'm, I'm curious about that. When you say plan, is that like the logistics stuff? Like, okay. You know, when, when he gets to this point, you need to move to this point kind of thing Correct. or okay. Correct. Yeah. I, I always, I always find that interesting. And especially this time around, I mean, I feel like, uh, I mean, at least for the pro bikes and I think actually everybody, um, it was faster in the beginning than I think people anticipated. Yeah. The beginning was really fast. Yeah. Scary. Some of it, but it, it, it gives you, um, yeah, it makes you, makes you feel that adrenaline rush that much faster. <laughs> Yeah, I know it gets the yeah, heart rate going a, big a lot faster. Freeway out there, definitely. <laughs> I know, right? And then, then you got to decide. All right, how much how much energy are we spending? Which, you know, I, I you yeah. know, I still I think this reinforce you know talking to you. I think it reinforces my thoughts on you know that the efficiency comes from the 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 basics. You know, do you do you catch yourself reminding yourself? You know my legs getting tired and then you like double check your foot position or any of that kind of stuff. Yes. Yeah. That's very, very important. Um, cause once you start feeling something off, then you must be doing something wrong. So always go back to basics and make sure you're in the right body position. And I mean, at the end of the day, riding 1300 miles, you know, you, your whole body's going to hurt. Right. So yeah. at some point you just have to learn how to deal with it. Yeah. But yeah, if it's the first couple hours and something's not feeling how it's supposed to be feeling, then you must be doing something wrong. So just double, double check yourself, you know, um, like people say, check yourself before you break yourself. Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. <laughs> then it gets, yeah. uh, that's, uh, I, you know, again, you're 1300 miles. It's a whole nother mentality. You know, if it was a San Felipe 250, you know, it's like, all right, well, you know, this is going to be over in no time. So. <laughs> yeah, it's true. So I got a, uh, there's another, uh, there's another question that popped up here on the, uh, on the, uh, post on promoter Baja racing, uh, about what you eat and electrolytes and nutrition. Is it, let's see, what do you eat? What do you use for electrolytes or nutrition or protein? That was from Rebecca. Okay. So, um, for all of my kind of, you can say diet while racing, mm-hmm. I work with this guy, um, named Derek King, mm-hmm. uh, so he is, he's a sports scientist and a strength and conditioning coach. Mm-hmm. So he has me on a great diet. So we, we try to keep, eat very lean, very clean, just so your stomach doesn't feel upset and you always feel light. But then at the same time, you have enough 
like protein in your body that you also feel strong. So, uh, for example, I would only eat depends every pit, right? Because I want I like changing it because you get bored of eating the same thing over and over. Mm -hmm. So it was either in between small portions of rice and chicken, rice and salmon, and then different type of fruit from melon to blueberries to strawberries to grapes to bananas. And then uh, for my hydration stuff, um, I drink a couple of supplements from hydration supplements. And then I also use ketones, just stuff that would maintain my energy that much longer instead of just um, sweating it all out. And then eat consistent. You know, every time you stop, make sure you eat. Because the more fuel you put in your body, then the longer you can go. The less fuel you put in your body, then you'll start cramping up. And then that's when people really start fighting it and struggling. So yeah. as long as you stay up to date with putting fuel into yourself, then yeah, you shouldn't run out of fuel. Yeah, you should be. So, I mean, so this is a whole, you know, this is a whole program for you. You know, every, everything is kind of like calculated, especially on race day. Yes. Yeah. Especially well, um, a couple months before race day, then you start doing that diet, see how your body takes it. Mm-hmm. And then from there, if your body likes it and you like the way you feel, I mean, why change it? You know, you know, that works. Yeah. The last thing you want to do is change something at the end of the day. And then yeah, you're, you're shitting your pants. <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? You're, you're leaving it all out there, literally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so that's, you know, and, and that's an interesting one for me is, uh, a few weeks back before the, uh, this was a few weeks back, a few months back before the, uh, SoCal rally, we went out and did a ride and I hadn't ridden a dirt bike in f- forever. And then, then again, an adventure bike at that point. But I remember at one point it started raining. We were in some canyons and it was just beautiful, but mentally I remember switching at one point I was like in survival mode, like, okay, I just got to make it to the end of this ride. And then it started raining and then you kind of get your second wind and all of a sudden it goes from survival mode. You go back into like, I love this. I, you know, I'm so glad I didn't turn around. I'm so glad that I was out there or, or, you know, didn't give up. Was there some mental aspect of that during the race? I mean, did you get to a point where like, okay, time to switch it off survival mode. I just got to make it to the end or how does that work? Um, I would say I learned a lot from the first Baja 1000 I tried to do. I did. I tried doing the Peninsula Run 2021. Mm-hmm. And on that one, I mean, I didn't know what I was getting myself into, honestly. I don't think anybody knows, right? Yeah, you can, <laughs> I know, you can right? watch so many movies yeah. on YouTube um, and think that you know what you're getting yourself into, but you really don't until you're there. Mm-hmm. So the year 2021, um, I had the same mentality at this time. You know, try to push as long as I can and let's try to get to La Paz, to La Paz as fast as I can, try to make a record or something, make it count. Yeah. <laughs> so then um, I started pushing, pushing and everything was good, but then I started having some bike issues. So then that started messing with my brain. So then that started kind of um, getting me tired a lot quicker, like me worrying about a, a lot of other stuff other than what was coming in front of me. So then that just made it that much harder to write it. And then you start doubting yourself. Right. So once you start downing yourself, then you're not just fighting the track itself, but you're also fighting with your mind. So then that's a lot of stuff that could start going wrong just because you're not fully focused. So going into it this year, um, I said, okay, everything should be as smooth as I can. I've done all my preparation. I've 
I can, at least that's what I think. So everything, <clears throat> everything should go as planned. So just take it step by step. You know, yes, there is sometimes that it will be difficult moments. There will be that sometimes that you're like, man, what am I doing out here? But I think those moments are one of the best moments, you know, because then you realize that, I mean, you could be at home, but do you really want to be at home? <laughs> yeah. So it's just, I guess, just being mentally strong in the sense of just know that hard times might come, but there was always a, a brighter side on the other side. As long as you yeah, you don't you don't uh, give up and don't stop pushing, it it can only get better, right? I don't see how it can get worse. And if it does get worse, then it should get better anytime soon. Yeah, it's it's just a situation which isn't permanent. Yes, it's exactly. Change. It's just thirty hours. You can do whatever you want after the after those thirty hours. You know? <laughs> And just make it happen. So that's just make it happen. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that is awesome. I mean, cause I, it's obviously 100%. It's a, a mind, you know, a mind game and focused having the fundamentals down, having all of these, like I just so much goes into it in, in 1300 miles, you know, it, it's I mean, this time around. And actually it doesn't matter any of these races that you know, that it's going to be, you just you versus the rest of the race course you know i think that's it, it it's a very interesting you know like how does the mentality go like do you talk to yourself do you you know all of these things you know that's like that go into it so let's see here uh, see we got more so i got two more for you and then we'll let we'll let you go because it's sunday evening i'm sure you want some more sleep uh okay so the pleasure talking to you victor yeah you're, you're uh you're a great guy. So, uh, yeah, I know I always okay. listen to your podcast. So it's pretty cool. I listened to the, the whole, uh, Giovanni Spinelli one. So yeah, it's sick. Nice. Well, you're going to, you're going to be, a, there's a lot of, it's, it's interesting. Cause I posted that in the group and I like it cause people are asking questions that I'm bringing, you know, bringing to you. And one of those actually is, uh, I think we kind of covered it, is from Tanner. He's saying number one tip for a first time Iron Man competitor. Um, enjoy it. You know, enjoy it, and yeah, just know that you're gonna ride a lot of miles. So don't even worry. <laughs> just don't know. even don't even doubt yourself that you're gonna get tired. Just know that you're gonna get tired. But uh, I mean, you, at the end of the day, we ride because it's fun. So always look the bright side on it. Yeah. Good. All right. So so just don't overthink it. Don't overthink <laughs> it. You're gonna get tired. Just you're gonna ride. get yeah. You're gonna just get ride beat. your bike. Yeah. You're gonna get beat. No doubt. <laughs> I hear you on that one. So, you know, and it's interesting. I'm looking at the pictures and every picture, I don't think I've seen a picture of you where your feet, you're not on the balls of your feet with your ankles yeah, dropped. Thanks. <laughs> thanks. I take that uh, as a compliment. It's crazy because, well, thinking about it, like, are you saying, I mean, that's you, you go back to the same thing that it's the fundamentals of it. And I've seen pictures from everybody. You never really pay attention to it, but then you start paying attention to it and you start to see like, yeah, people are like their foot's just a little bit forward. You know, it's never like I've seen people ride in many different ways. And, and, and I always go back to what, you know, Jose Ar said that people can get really good at riding the wrong way and it's okay for them and they'll work and they'll never have an issue with, but then you go and you start learning some of these techniques and, and, you know, invest in that. And then all of a sudden the bike is another, like, whose bike is this? You know, <laughs> it turns into Correct. something else. So, Correct. all right. Last question. Dakar and rally racing. Yeah. I know, I know you were gearing up for it. What's uh, what are your, do you have plans? Are you looking to still go back into the, doing some rally stuff? Yes. Um, rally is my main goal. You know, that's on top of the, 
of the pyramid. Uh, the only thing is the budget. The budget for me gets really difficult, you know, especially going into the rally scene. You know that it's at least twice as expensive as the Baja stuff. So luckily I have all the support that I can do. Um, is I could do the whole score season uh, proper in a way from bikes to parts to um, to people helping me out. So then that's what I focus on this year mm-hmm. just because I don't have the yeah the money to go race rally the proper way i don't want to rush it right i don't want to make it happen with five grand and then show people that i can't really make it work so might as well if i have um everything to make something happen really really good so i put my mind and focus to that Mm -hmm. just kind of put myself out there um show people that i can and hopefully one of these days i can um yeah get some help from somebody to to start racing the rally world um how it should be but yes definitely next year i'm planning to do um rally racing i don't think i'll race the baja mm-hmm. um it will be i'll try to focus on on three rallies and then yeah hopefully i get a ticket to race my first dakar 2024 that'll be the goal nice all right yeah that's gonna be uh What's going on, guys? Victor with the Chasing Waypoints podcast. All right. Are you looking to promote your brand to a worldwide audience on the podcast? Drop us a line at podcast at chasingwaypoints.com and let's talk. See what we can do about getting you some more ears for your company and getting the word out worldwide. Uh, you know, it's interesting because the way I look at it is, is that you're from the Ironman side of it is that's what it is. It's long days. So for you to go ride a long day and then have an actual break in the in the whole thing be able to get off the bike change out of your gear get ready focus on yourself and then the next day do it again i think that that lines uh lines up well with what you're doing now you know where it's not i'm gonna say it's a sprint race although i know that a lot of it is pacing yourself and doing that and which i think is super huge and i think you yes know, i think it's leaving you some bandwidth for the navigating because from what i hear you know or from what i know and understand is riders you can ride really really fast and and not know how to navigate and you're going to have a really long day you know where correct so if you you know you have that balance right you have the technique you you can ride long periods of time no problem now just you know you get the navigation nailed and then it's you know then we start talking stage wins (laughs) yes 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 and that was the whole point of racing the ironman class like you said you know um, my goal is always to go out there and win the Dakar, but like I said, if I can't make it happen just yet, might as well train for it. And I think Baja being my backyard is the perfect training ground for me. And it's, it's a great way to give myself some exposure and I mean, shit, conquer Baja. Why not? Yeah. I'm from there. So <laughs> nice. So speaking of roots, where did uh, Mexican tornado come from? That sounds uh, like one the- of your aunts and uncles or somebody in the family gave you that name. <laughs> no, that nickname actually came from my friend Daniel Sedlak. Oh, yeah. really? Uh, yes, we were. Yeah, I guess we were riding. No, we, I was gonna race the Baja 250, mm-hmm. and then uh, he's always seen some great potential in me, and he's always told me since day one. So he always hypes me up, and he's like, "We gotta give you a nickname, dude, because once you start winning, people are gonna want to start calling you nicknames. So we gotta give you a nickname since now." And we were thinking about. Well, he was thinking about it, and then he just came up with. It what about the Mexican tornado? That sounds cool. <laughs> and then, uh, and then I was like, okay, I like that one. Uh, so then we just kind of, yeah, it was a joke between us. And then people started like, asking for me. So then I'm like, yeah, I'm the Mexican tornado. 
and then from there, uh, yeah, now we're just, I guess, living up to it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> and here, here I am thinking it's like, you know, somebody in the family, chamaco cabrón, can't, <laughs> no, can't no. sit still, you know, <laughs> parece remolino. <laughs> yeah, no, none of that. Oh, okay. All right. So we, we have Daniel Sedlak to blame about that. <laughs> yeah, but it's a cool nickname, though. It is. It, it works. It works. Yeah, I think it, I was trying to make some plays on it, but I, I feel like the peninsula and hurricanes right now are just kind of a touchy subject. So I didn't want to say, you know, <laughs> another hurricane coming up or, you know. <laughs> yeah, you got to be careful. It's 2023 now. Yeah, so. you, know, never, you never know. You never know. So excellent. <laughs> All right. This is the part of the show where we say, uh, who who do we got to thank for your journey to here? Who's the sponsors? Oh, dude, I got a big list. You better be ready. Let's do it. <laughs> uh, so, uh, yeah, I would like to start by um, thanking GP, right, from giving me all my race bikes. And then from there, we'll go um, to the school that I work for. Uh, Sedlak Off-Road School gives me a lot of good connections that make this dream come true. You know, most of the sponsors that I have now, I met them through the school because they came and trained with me. And then they asked me about their story. They liked it. So they, yeah, they're willing to support it. And here I am. Everybody else just been supporting me throughout the years from Gen Pro Commercial Cleaning to Viewpoint Brewery, from DWS Power Sports, repairing my bikes and kind of getting, every, make sure I have everything to go for when racing comes. 05 Motorsports from uh, North Dakota. They're also great out there. Um, they helped me out a bunch. Mita Tires, uh, TBD MX Graphics, Ink Throwers for making this the sick um, T-shirts, the Mexican Tornado T-shirts. So there will be, they will be a Mexican Tornado T-shirt Baja 1000 Championship coming up, and it should be around um, Thanksgiving, like Black Friday. So, um, so yeah, <laughs> I'll send it to you. Yeah. Very nice. And then, um, and so suspension, great suspension, DK Wellness, um, making my nutrition and getting me ready for this race. That was a big, big one for this one. Edmund Builders, Edmund Builders, Star Equipment Rentals, FXR Racing, GPR Stabilizer, my uncle P PEM, my other uncle Alcora um, Windows, and then Treeline Private Security, Bo. Um, he was kind enough to let me borrow his van to go take out to Baja. You know, usually I ride out with my dad's truck and my um, my other friend's truck. Mm -hmm. But I've been working with both throughout school. And then he he wanted to support the pro program. So he asked me, he's like, well, how can I help you? And I was like, oh, well, any way you want it. Every help is uh, welcome and appreciated. He's like, well, what about I let you borrow my, uh, my moto van? So he let me borrow his moto van. So that was much easier to do the pits and be comfortable for the rest of my crew. And then um, that's as well for me. Nice. So, so yeah, everybody, everybody that makes this happen, uh, big shout out to them and everybody out there that supports from, from the internet, you know, from my family to all my friends, um, to people that just like what to do. Yeah. Thank you to all you guys. This is just a dream come true and it will only keep getting better. Yeah. No, dude, this is, uh, you're, you're on a hell of a path. And I mean, this is obviously this is a big accomplishment. You know, you, uh, as, as one of the guys in the promoter Baja, uh, group mentioned Vic, you know, it's, it's, a. not only do you, do you teach during the week, but you also put on a clinic down there this weekend. So it's really, <laughs> really good to see. And I mean, not to discredit any, not a single one of the competitors, but it's a very big achievement when, you know, you get on the bike and you're going to be on there for 1300 miles and you're able to, to do what you did. So congratulations. <laughs> you, yeah. 
Thank you. Absolutely. It was, it was just a great time out there. Dude, I know. I, I, you know, when I saw that it was raining, you know, we were talking about that right at the beginning, right before the race that, you know, weather was going to come through. And I'm like, dude, San Felipe, wet sand. I mean, it's just got to be that much better, you know? <laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah. San Felipe was really cool. And I don't know why, but I think they must have got a big rainstorm, but uh, the washes were really, really pretty. I felt like I was in a motor track. Some of them were nice and groomed, so it was definitely a great morning. <laughs> nice. Yeah, I've seen a little bit, like I said, I started seeing that that white layer on top and then the brown just down the center. I'm going, oh, yeah, that's, that's all traction there. <laughs> yeah, yes, it is. Nice. Very nice. Well, excellent, sir. I appreciate you coming on the show and... Uh, I will send you the links and get all of that stuff when uh, when we're ready to go. And then I'll put. Uh, I just got on your. Uh, I posted your website on the group, but I'll uh, I'll put a link in the description too, so people can head on over uh, to edgarcota.com. <laughs> thank you, Victor. Thank yeah. you for having me. And uh, yeah, just giving me a little bit of your spotlight. That's awesome. Thank yeah. you, dude. Appreciate it. No, I Say appreciate hi to your dad for me. Yeah, absolutely. And we will uh, we will see you soon. I'm trying to get him on a bike. <laughs> he doesn't know Do this, it. but I'm trying if to get him on a bike. If he doesn't have a bike, I have a bike for him and gear. So, all right. Shoot him my way. All right. <laughs> awesome. All right, Miguel. All right, have go. a great night. Thank you. Happy see Sunday. You. Happy Sunday. Bye. Thank you. See you. Bye. All right. There you have it. The Mexican tornado. Edgar Cota. So, this was pretty awesome, actually. I, I, I liked the uh, putting in the group uh, about the promo to Baja and, uh, and you guys asking questions and doing that stuff. I think we got some really good answers from it. It was really good to see that at, at the time. So, you guys will be hearing that if you're hearing it now. I dropped some names there. Uh, Geo, thanks. Hey, I, you know, we we talked about that uh, video that you posted. I'm glad that uh, things went the way that they did. I'm a wholehearted believer in that. Uh, so it was really, really good. Uh, great event situation. I'm going to touch on that briefly um, without necessarily being worried about uh, cancel culture in this, but there was a very big incident down there with one of the riders. Um, and it is very unfortunate and I'm not going to comment any further than that at the moment until we have more information because I am, have been in and on the receiving end of phone calls and needing to issue assistance and do these things and dispatch and doing all that stuff. And if there's one thing that I know is, is that you have to have all the information period. There's no two ways about it and I'm not going to condemn anybody. I am more concerned about the rider safety and that they are doing good and that they pull out of this. The next race, the next thing, whatever happens, whatever gets adjusted, people know when mistakes were made and how to fix mistakes. We're all adults. And so I'm saying this from a place of, I care deeply about racer safety and that needs to be the main focus for a lot, you know, for a lot and actually not a lot, all of these events, rider, rider safety has to be a focus. Things that could have gone better. Yes, absolutely. But right now there's a rider that needs attention. There's a rider that needs those positive vibes. We need to focus on that. And then, then we can go back and we can focus on what were the things that need to be done, how things could be done differently and look at this from 50,000 feet and then start honing in on it before everybody goes off. It's a very emotional situation right now. Again, it's all about the rider right now. It's all about rider safety. There's multiple riders that had incidents down there. Uh, so again, I want to drive this home. Rider safety is number one. We need to focus on that right now. We need to focus on those riders helping any way that we can. 
then we can take a look at this. But I, again, I don't want to make it an emotional thing right now. I think there's still information that needs to be re uh, relayed uh, to the parties that need to be privy of that and understand and figure out, you know, what things do actually need to be changed. Uh, so with that being said, guys, I hope everybody's doing good. You guys are going to be hearing this in a couple of weeks from when it's actually recorded. Uh, I hope you guys stay tuned and are enjoying the show. We're looking forward to it, man. Baja 1000 is over. We've got more score races coming up. We've got a lot of rally stuff coming up. And then we've also got uh, some other interviews going on and we're making plans. 2024 are going to be a big year. We've only got a few more episodes done before the end of the year. Uh, I completely missed it. And I don't know if you guys knew, but October 20 something was actually the third year of the chasing waypoints podcast. So we've officially made it three years, uh, on the air, uh, and across the globe. So I appreciate every single person that's tuned into the show, uh, for the future guests. If you're hearing this, I appreciate you tuning in and everything else has been an absolute dream. You guys have made it possible. It's awesome. Very, very awesome. Met so many great people, uh, for this kind of stuff in the in the Baja community, uh, in the rally community, it has been an absolute ride. And I'm talking people from the Dakar, from the organization, the ASO, guys in SCORE, guys at Sonora Rally, guys at Baja Rally, all of these, all of the competitors and everybody, everybody, it's all a moto family. So looking forward to having more people on the show. Hey, what do you guys want to see for 2024? Drop me a line. You know where to find me on Instagram, Chasing Waypoints, at Chasing Waypoints. And... With that being said, it'll make sense when you get there. Enjoy the ride. All right. That is a wrap for the Chasing Waypoints podcast. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Looking forward to our next one coming up. Remember, if you are out riding, do not forget to tag us at Chasing Waypoints. Hashtag Chasing Waypoints. And if you haven't already, get on over to the website, get signed up for the newsletter, The Bivouac, North America's Rally Raid and Adventure Riding newsletter. Hey, let's have some fun. Let's find out what are you guys up to. Let's get you featured. If you're a brand and looking to get supported, get some eyeballs, get some ears on your business. Absolutely. Hit us up. Send us a message at podcast at Chasing Waypoints. But anyway, that is a wrap. Remember, shiny side up. See you guys.